Hey, everybody. This is Dominic D'Angelo on behalf of WrestleZone.com. And it is an impromptu two, two. What am I saying? Two Dynamite Dudes on a ramp. Oh, just no, it's two Dynamite Dudes now. We changed the name. And I am here by myself today. Uh, well, we're going to have a, a special guest coming in here. Uh, someone you are very familiar with at WrestleZone. He's a mercenary. He uh, is in it for the money. It's Robert DeFelice will be here momentarily. But I'm here by myself at this moment in time and here to talk some wild news and ongoings uh, that's happening in AEW. This is weird looking at this camera instead of the camera down here. I'm going probably when Robert gets on, I'm probably going to look at this camera. But right now I'm trying to look at you guys right here, right now. We're live. We're going on. I don't know if we have one comment in here and it's Dan Goose. What's up, brother? How are you doing? Usually we have um, <laughs> a several amount of people in here, but he's the only one here right now. Yes, you are. <laughs> It's me and you, buddy. We're rocking and rolling. But, uh, yes, let's get some feedback. Uh, if you happen to join in live, uh, give me your comments, anything like that. Ooh, you can follow me on Twitter at Dominic D'Angelo. You can follow WrestleZone on Twitter, WrestleZone.com. You can follow Robert D. Felice once he gets here, at Dude Felice on Twitter. Um, some cool stuff happening over there at WrestleZone. We, they have uh, the, an interview with the Mixers ahead of uh, NWA. Coming up, NWA 74, uh, Jay Bradley, and well, I can't remember the other individual's name, but they're there. Uh, Colin Tessier it does a wonderful job there. Uh, I have a new interview up, actually, with uh, Brian Gerwitz, uh talking his new book and stuff like that. So tune into that. Hey, Ryan James, what's happening, brother? Um, but yes, so go to WrestleZone.com, check some things out. Uh, but right now, we're here to talk some, two some AEW Dynamite and what happened and what could happen, and all the reports going down. It's a lot. It's some wild stuff happening. And, uh, you know, it's been a long time overdue. Uh, Marcus and I have uh, been a little fast and loose with uh, showing up here and doing the show. So uh, I wanted to get something going here ahead of Rampage and uh, just in light of everything that's been going on. It's been nuts. Uh, oh, so Ryan Dice, you're a pro wrestling referee in Indiana, man. You got to make some uh, three counts there for uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan back in the day. That's 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 the only big. I, what's some other wrestlers out in Indiana that were born in Indiana? I know uh, what's his name. Uh, David Letterman was a big fan of Bobby the Brain Heenan, and they were both from the Indiana state of Indiana. Uh, anywho, well, where am I going with this? Let's uh, start, I mean, with th that opening promo on uh, AEW Dynamite. Holy smokes. I mean, either way, you know, what Punk said and his exchange with Moxie was great. Great wrestling television that you don't get to see that often. You know, it's it's very refreshing. And, and uh, you know, there is the shift of what's going on, obviously, with Triple H taking over uh, WWE. And then, um, you know, just how AEW's kind of been now with, the likes of CM Punk, the likes of John Moxley, the likes of Eddie Kingston, all in the mix there. You have um, just these guys that are really good on the mic and that don't need scripts and that kind of rely on themselves and have this authenticity to them. And, you know, all those guys present that. So uh, seeing all that come into play and having all that happen uh, really converged in that opening promo with um, Mox and CM Punk. And, you know, there was a lot of reality to some of that, too, where it's um, what the heck's going to happen and what the blurring of the lines, that whole particular instance where CM Punk calls out Hangman Page. It's um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's really crazy. And, you know, uh, it seemed out of left field when it happened during the show. 
And then here you hear reports from Dave Meltzer and then eventually others, I think Fightful and then uh, PW Insider all had that same information that Punk went off the script with that. And um, he ended up doing more, uh, doing that calling Hangman out for reportedly, reportedly uh, some differences they had building up their feud to Double or Nothing, where uh, Paige alluded that he was kind of a, that uh, Punk was kind of a, an outsider looking to ruffle up some feathers and sort of indirectly referenced um, the relationship with Punk and Colt Cabana who had a uh, dicey past before, obviously following the podcast and lawsuit and all that stuff. Oh, Steven Chambers is here. We got DJ here. What's happening, brothers? How are you guys doing? Thanks for hopping in. I messaged Nesha, by the way, Steven. Uh, have not heard from her. I, this is all impromptu, pretty much. I came up doing this today, you know, as an impromptu thing. So uh, that's why Marcus is in here. We're going to get Robert D. Felice on here soon enough. But anywho, I want to get your guys' thoughts about What's been going on uh, this whole week? Uh, you know, with all these reports coming out, there's still a lot of speculation and thought that this could all still be uh, planned. You know, uh, th maybe they're leading towards a CM Punk heel turn after all this. He did cut some heelish, have some heelish moments during that uh, pro opening exchange with John Moxley. He, uh, you know, said uh, like, "Think what you want," and basically all that stuff and. Drug down Moxley, drug down Eddie Kingston, uh, you know, and uh, Hangman Page, all baby faces. So um, there's that going on. Uh, but it's very, it's fun. It's fun to kind of speculate. We have a run in by my cat Razor here. It's very uh, fun to speculate and try to figure out what exactly is real, what isn't. And that's what kind of makes it fun. I covered uh, Eric Bischoff's uh, after 83 weeks. Uh, like addendum show almost, I guess it was, is on adfreeshows.com today. And he was fascinated by it. Like, and you know, the fact that they kind of hot shotted this upcoming match here on dynamite between Mox and punk really showed some chaotic elements of, Hey, we don't know what to expect here. And, you know, uh, another report here from the wrestling observer today, uh, Dave Meltzer said that, um, that's the plan is to have CM Punk versus Moxie at all out. And although that's not a hundred percent confirmed and it hasn't been announced, that's the plan. And they don't really have a backup plan according to Meltzer's reports. So, um, it's been a wild time here in, <laughs> in pro wrestling. Uh, I, and like, there's, I, what I said on a, on an episode of uh, Business of the Business with Lavi Margolin and uh, John Paz that um, I'm intrigued to see how Tony Khan and AEW kind of, I didn't want to say, uh, I didn't want to say like kind of come back with it all, but react to how Triple H taking over. Um, Triple H is a smart guy. Triple H is more in touch with the modern times and he knows what fans are looking for and, you know, way more than a 76 year old Vince McMahon would. So we got to kind of look out for that in regards, but Hey, we have the run in right here. Let me get this all set up. I got to get all adjusted here. We got it. Oh my God. Look at your setup. I like it. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Holy I like smoke. your setup. I like the doors. I like the action figures. Thanks. I you know, I, I wanted to show a little bit more of this, my whole environment here, and look, I even got your fucking name on there. So, oh, how about I that? I love it. Yes, I love it. 
Yes. yes, I am in it for the money. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I thought I covered a lot of bases in that little little thing. So, you know, what, what are you going to do, you know? <laughs> what are you going to do? I, I am very excited to be here. This is a banger edition of Dynamite. Lots of stuff happening afterwards covering oh Dynamite, which, uh, you know. You know all about that. Now, you were just on a show right a little bit ago. What was it? I was just doing my regular smart out moment hot tags with uh, Callum Wiggins. As as we've said, I am a mercenary, so I'm all over the place. You can catch me on Fightful later, but let's get into Dominic. <laughs> yes. Well, we, I was just uh, inter- uh, opening this whole thing up about, like, you know, what what's the big news has been. And so, like... Uh, Let's get uh, your vibe on it. You work for Fightful. Uh, Sean Ross Sapp has reported several things uh, going of this ongoing storyline or story. But uh, what what's your whole perspective on this all? And what, okay, initially starting off, how about what did you think of the promo between Mox and Punk? So and then moving on from that, the the show itself, I thought the opening was as hot as possibly can be. I thought that Punk calling out Hangman was random but i thought it was fun i thought you know like hell yeah okay cool he's he's still got some shit to do with hangman and then he gets into it with mox he's calling mox the third best guy in his group he's calling him the third best guy in the shield mox gets in his face says you're only here because you've you've run out of money they're fighting like this is everything i want in a wrestling segment this was probably as good as it gets and then the report comes out from Sean that, well, first, to be fair, it was Dave first that said, hey, that wasn't planned. And then Sean comes out with the report that says, yeah, things are tense. And that wasn't planned. And that could have been seen as a receipt for some of the promo work that Hanger was doing in May. Yep. And then you go back and you watch that. And that does seem a little tense. According to multiple reports, this all stems back seemingly to something with Colt Cabana. Yeah, it, it all got way too intense, way too quickly. But I think, you know, good good personal issues make for great television. That's where I'm sitting here with it. They very much do. You can hear me now, Robert, because I can't yeah. see you right now. Can you hear me okay? I, I can hear you well. I, I hope you can uh, still hear me and see me. I can hear you a okay. I just lost my screen. I don't know what happened. Like my whole freaking screen. <laughs> so one second. But yeah, no, I'm with you on that. As long as you can hear me, I think, and that's what I said to you know open the show too. Was this? It's just been, it's been fun as just an observer, and you know, even if you're a fan or even if we're covering it, holy crap, it's been fun to do too. Like it's just, you know, this blurring of the lines and what's real, what isn't. We had this with MJF. Now we have this with you know Punk and supposedly hangman and you know uh you know other elements of you know punk being unhappy and all this stuff going on it's very very strange um yeah what did you think um now you hear a lot too a lot of the speculation is like what if this is all just an elaborate plan you know laid out and everything like that uh where do you kind of fall on that right now i think that there are people that still believe montreal was mm-hmm. an elaborate plan. Doesn't matter who comes out and says that it wasn't. Doesn't matter who comes out and takes credit for it. 25 years later, there's still people who think it's a massive work. 
if this is a work, bravo, you did your job. People are talking, they're they're believing what you're saying. But I, I don't think that it is just because, uh, look, I don't think they would go through the trouble of manufacturing real life heat for the sake of working people. Yeah, it seems like it's overdone <laughs> a little bit. Like you can't have. <sighs> we have lost Dominic. I am still here. And I will talk about the way I looked at this promo. Listen, I think CM Punk is a masterful worker. I think CM Punk is one of the best things in the wrestling world. I think that you don't have to love everyone. This is what I'll get at with this. I think that you don't have to love everyone that you work with, even in an era where it seems like that's part of what we're all expecting, especially from AEW, where it's like, oh, but the culture is changing and we're changing the world and changing the universe. I don't think you need to have a shiny, happy people holding hands relationship with everyone you work with. That's just me. I think that in the long run, CM Punk is good for AEW. I think that in the long run, anything he does is good for this company. I certainly hope he's not looking forward to trying to split the place because, listen, if he's dropping the title next week, it's very possible that he is. And hopefully that's not the case because I like CM Punk and I'm glad he's back and I want him to stay there. Yeah, that seems... See, I don't know what's going on here, Robert. I'm like having two me's on here. <laughs> it's so weird. Hold on a second. Let's see what I can do here. I'm gonna. I want to try to. I'm on here twice, so I'm hearing an echo. Can you hear an um, echo on me? Yeah, I am hearing a bit of an echo on you. I think you probably got to close out one of your windows. There must be another window over somewhere. I can't find another window. What is going on? I'm, okay, Robert, man the ship right now. I'm gonna close all windows. I'm gonna man the ship. Okay. We're gonna talk about more CM Punk stuff. I'm gonna talk about what I liked about this promo, what I didn't. Listen, CM Punk. Shooting straight with uh, Moxley going, you're the third best guy in your group. And that's a theme in your career. I like that. I, I think that, you know, saying, hey, John Moxley is great, but he's not the best. I appreciate that. I appreciate the random jab at him for not defending the title against Eddie Kingston. I appreciate the uh, jab at Kingston saying you're the second best Kingston I've shared a locker room with. I I liked all of this. I like the fact that it felt real, regardless of whatever's happening behind the scenes. You know, we'll worry about that later. It's good TV. Oh, you're muted now. Yes, you're muted. No, I'm not. Jeez, what a boomer I am. Holy smokes. <laughs> this is, it's a humbling experience. You know, I, I try to ban the ship here, and it just, I go, I jump off. I jump off. This but is no, why I'm, I'm here. I got to pull you back in. You can't be jumping off here when I'm here to save you. <laughs> right, right. But okay, but I'm with you on on a lot of this. Like I loved it, and I love the fact 
you know, that, you know, the punk took digs at those people, even though they're baby faces and stuff like that. Now, do you think, do you think this is leading into like a CM Punk heel turn ultimately? Yeah, but it's not the right time for it. Like people love punk. They're glad he's back. He's finally going to defend the title. You can't just go, all right, let's rush it and turn him heel. Cause I mean, they're doing the title match next week. And there's so many different ways that this can go. Does it end in a schmaz where, okay, now you got to put him in a cage in Chicago. I don't know if they'd put him in a cage, but they could, you know, um, does it end in, oh crap, here comes MJF. Does it end in Punk just beating Moxley and the, the plan is actually, well, we wanted to get to Kingston or Brian or Claudio in Chicago to begin with. You know, there's so many different ways you can look at this. Right now, I'm just excited for what happens next. I certainly hope it's not Moxley beats Punk and Punk's out of there. Because that's not what I want. Yeah, that would not... You mean, like, out of there, legit out of there. Like yeah. He's, like, dissatisfied and he's gone. Yeah, like, for yeah. whatever reason. I know that uh, Sean's report doesn't necessarily say that that's where things are going. But because there was some talk of that going around the the internet i just want to say that i would hope that that's never the case yeah you know i feel like punk yeah that would be the worst case scenario i would think um now i don't really i'm not into the idea of like it just hot shotting because like you there was the report today from melter too that this is supposed this match is all supposed to happen at all out um, and I don't know if you've heard anything different, but like, if that's the case, I don't, it's just a head scratcher to why you're, you're putting it out there already. Like, I just like to, to, to put it there on next week and advertise it for next week. It's, it was already a pay-per-view match. There was aside from popping a rating potentially, like you want, there's, there's no reason to do it. Now, the only thing I can think is last year, if you look at last year's ratings, it was before punk it was before the first dance and so this uh dynamite coming up would be the one after the first dance and they had big ratings for that like over a million viewers now they're like at 975 i think it was 957 i can't remember it was 957 this week 957 okay so yeah it was at 957 this week uh like it's plateaued and it's kind of leveled out so maybe they want to kind of reflect it from the year okay we got to get this thing back up especially with this you know merger going on and all that stuff we got to put our best foot forward but it seems like they're just it's muddying the waters of like okay what if this doesn't work what if punk and mox draw a decent rating but not to the level of like what they're expecting or hoping for and uh you know it, it does create some intrigue of like why is this happening but it's also like you already had a good match going with Mox and Punk. You already right. showed like just that opening pro promo is proof of it. And that these guys are like heated and they're ready to go. So I don't know. It's just you hope everything levels out. And uh, there's Tony Khan and everybody that make the stars line and know what they're doing with it. Because uh, it could kind of blow up in their face in certain ways. Like especially if. There is the, all that those reports happen to have that, like, you know, things are rocky backstage. I mean, there is there's a comment here from DJ Cassier saying Punk did bring up that he beat another John in Chicago. Do you think Punk wins and walks out on the company? Look, I see no reason to hot shot the summer of Punk 2011. You could, 
you could. I just think that it's an unnecessary. It's an unnecessary trope to fall back on right now. I think at most, maybe they just can't get the match in the ring. And but to just... your, but Robert, what you're even saying is like you're hoping that like Punk doesn't just straight up and leave. Like if you were to win the title and then convert like further the reports that oh he is unhappy or he did leave, like maybe they'll play into that more and fan that flame, you know, or just like, oh, did he leave? You know, are we sure about that? But the weird thing is like he's not playing that up on television. Same thing with the hangman yeah, rivalry. Good point. He he wasn't playing it up in May that there was any issue and Hangman came at him with all this vitriol. And here it's like, well, Punk didn't he he's not saying he's unhappy. He in fact he said on Wednesday, God, I missed you guys. I'm so happy to be here. Like, there is no connection there outside of reports on the internet say Punk's unhappy. And I honestly don't think that he really is. As I was saying when you were gone, you know, I think there's this weird expectation that because it's AEW, you have to love everyone and everything you're doing and everyone you're working with. And sometimes in life, like, that's just abjectly not true. You don't have to, you know? And I think we're in this weird time where it's almost like a boys club where you... You've got these people who are just like, yay, AEW. And look, AEW is great, but I also think AEW is growing. They're expanding beyond the boys club. It's not the elite Jericho and some other guys anymore. It's an entire promotion, which is taking on the weight of another promotion in Ring of Honor. There's so much happening. You can't just, it can't be the vision of 2019 AEW anymore. No. And, you know, I think I've been hearing a lot of this, too, online and, you know, in interviews and stuff like that, that the honeymoon phase is kind of feeling over. And I think it is like basically it's like stuff is up for criticism. And, you know, you know, the 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 leeway, you know, that's been given to AEW, you know, by some fans like is gone. Like it's like, OK, well, you're you're you're, you're two and a half years established here. You've had punk for over a year now. Um, sure you've dealt with injuries and things like that, but still you're a wrestling company and you have a lot of stars on your roster. Too many, like some, some might say, I say that, I think they got too many people, but, um, it's just a matter of, huh, you, what are you doing? Like, and where's it going to go? And, um, with all out coming up, it's just like, that's your marquee show between that or double or nothing. And you want to make sure you're, you're presenting your best thing forward. But I mean, at its core, AEW is a television product. Like the pay per view is almost secondary at this point. So, like next week, you go into it. Sure. Now, hopefully, you get going to get a good rating that you want out of all of this. But I mean, if you were to do that, I, I just I can't remember Robert. I I grew up at that time, but like when Goldberg and Hogan were put on on Nitro, I can't remember how much before they hyped it exactly. That's about, 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 about a week. Was it's it about, about a week? Okay. It about, okay, like they did, they, it wasn't even really weak. They did Thunder, and JJ Dillon goes, he's going to fight Goldberg. And then they packed the Georgia Dome because they were going to pack the Georgia Dome anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they just gave him a bonus of, <laughs> hey, Goldberg's going to run through Hulk Hogan. Granted, I think that, you know, TV ratings mattered so much more in 1998. They still matter today, but they don't 
they're not the end all be all, but I can't say that they're any less important than pay-per-view subscriptions. So we'll, we'll just have to see where this goes. I have enough faith in the product that I think they do have a plan, but we're going to have to see where it goes. At the very least, Wednesday became must-see TV almost instantly following yesterday's report. Now, how much do you think this is a reactionary move from what Triple H is doing on the other side of things? Do you think that's like, or do you think this is just a matter of circumstance where, okay, there is some tension and issues going on backstage and, uh, Tony's trying to weather the storm as much as he can with certain things of this and, and try and do, um, yeah, make things balance out. Or do you think there's a little bit to do with like, Hey, triple H is you, people are seeing changes. People are talking about these changes and now, you know, we're seeing some stuff come to fruition with WWE and what triple H's mindset's going to be moving forward. Do you think a lot of that has anything to do with what we saw on Monday night or Wednesday night? And then potentially next week here. I don't think it's reactionary to WWE because, they exist in their own universe. They're not going head to head. You know, it's look, if Triple H is making great TV, I think that's better for AEW. Because no matter what, WWE is the forefront of the wrestling business. And if they're doing well, then everybody else is going to do even better. You know? Yeah. The sea level the sea level rises when everybody's up there, you know, and it's it just makes each product better. And everybody said that too. Like you told Tony Khan said that Matt Hardy said that on his podcast. Like it just makes the wrestling product better when there's more people, when there's intrigue to go to the other promotion or there's, you know, uh, the unexpected of like free agency happening and all that stuff. It's, it's definitely good for the product overall. I'm, you know, I, we haven't talked in a while, but what's, what has been your kind of perspective on, AEW's presentation as a whole, like what do you like about it and what do you think they kind of need to work on? I think this show gave us the best and worst of AEW in the sense that I think this first hour was great. The punk Moxley stuff was great. The Daniel Garcia, Brian Danielson match was fantastic. And then the show just spun out of control and started just cramming things into that final hour. And I think that one thing I would definitely change, it's not because I don't love, I love Jim Ross. Mm -hmm. I have nothing but love and respect for Jim Ross. Jim Ross was so cranky on Wednesday night that it actively took away from the product because he's just like, like for for example, um, when Jungle Boy is cutting his promo and Christian comes out to basically decline the challenge jim ross is going there going how how is he gonna say no he can't say no and then he says no and then immediately jr is like oh my god he said no oh there it is there it's like okay it's it's too much it's almost like it's almost like they're trying to have him in a old head detractor role that you know i think a lot of people might associate with a cornet or something but i I don't want to see that from Jim Ross. I just want Jim Ross to be the voice of wrestling and be the strong voice that he can be. And maybe, unfortunately, maybe that's not in the cards. I don't know. I don't want to put that on JR. I just think that this week was one of those weeks where it detracted from the show to have him in such a surly mood. I think something now, maybe 
so I'm kind of like multitasking as the show's going on when I'm watching it. But when they make the announcer change, like whether it's like Shivani at the booth or Taz at the booth or JR at the booth, do they show that change? Because I remember that's something I kind of liked about Nitro back in the day is like the first hour and a half or whatever it was, was Larry Zabisco. And then the second half was like Bobby Heenan or, you know, Mike Tanay or something like that. Have they kind of indicated when those changes happened? So for for a couple of weeks this month and, and at the end of last month, they were doing a thing where JR would do the second hour yeah. of Dynamite and they would come out, they would do the whole, hey, it's the voice of wrestling, it's Jim Ross. And that, I think, works better. Yeah. Because I think less fatigue. He's an older gentleman. He just kicked cancer's ass, which shout out to him for that. But I think less fatigue is better for Jim Ross because it's it's not it's not fair to him, it's not fair to his legacy, it's not fair to the audience. At the same yeah. time, maybe people were red assed backstage and maybe that rubbed off on him, you know, like who really knows? I know it's like the thing is is like with yeah, and I'm with you, like Rob Robert, there's like the that match with Danielson and Garcia was awesome. I love the story that played off into it, where it's like, you know, uh, Chris Jericho Appreciation Society's got a crap ton of members, and I think the transition of Sammy and Ty Conte in there, you know, kind of makes it, you know, a little bit more crowded than it needs to be. So if you're going to get Daniel Garcia out of it, this is a great way to do it because, like, they originally wanted him in the Black Blackpool Combat Club, anyways, and so. I think it was a really good setup and um, you know, it really elevated Daniel Garcia, not just from the match that he had with Danielson, but then the interaction with Jericho afterwards and stuff like that. I really think it kind of laid out a good position for building new star. And then you heard that organic crowd reaction from the fans about Daniel Garcia. So that was really good, but you know, it is cramped. There's a lot of stuff going on and it's too much like, and this is something I want to ask Tony Khan if I get the opportunity is like, you know, and I've heard before that this is like the plan. This is all planned to have such a bloated roster because you can, then you can plug people in when you can plug stars in when, you know, somebody goes down or gets hurt. So you have that, you know, bullpen lineup in there, but it, I think it interferes with the product. You're trying to squeeze everybody in and it just doesn't work. Like it doesn't make things feel as important as they should. Or and you forget about who's who's been in matches before or who's who's fought who when you know e- even if you have rankings it, it kind of just muddies the water still a lot so I'm with you I think it they kind of need I think something needs to be done in that regard where you hone in on stars and we're seeing that a little bit with Raw and we're seeing that with SmackDown too a little bit you know where okay we're seeing these changes come and so, this stuff is making sense a lot of this stuff it does make sense you know but you have to follow everything and you have to keep tabs on everybody. And it's just a lot of people to keep tabs on. So I don't know. I think once they get a good handle on where Ring of Honor is going, television-wise, I think that'll help things. I think they could better utilize Rampage. I think Rampage right now feels like a C show rather than a B show. I think they have the genuine response and answer of, hey, listen, we have Dark and Dark Elevation. And a lot of great stars are on there as well. But I think you also have to be mindful that, listen, not everyone in your audience is going to go for Elevation. It's going to go for Dark. I've been doing that more recently, and it does help. But the onus can't be on the audience. No, As the presenter, Mm -hmm. you need to best present 
your roster in its most fullest way. And I think that um, Tony, and I think he's trying. I think that's why you've seen the shakeups backstage where now they're saying QT Marshall is formatting the shows. Now they're saying, you know, you've got Sanjay Dutt in a more hands-on role with talent. You've got Ari Davari working with the women. I, I yeah. think they're working on it. But again, this is a promotion that went from, we can do it, we are the revolution, to, okay, shit, we're a company now. Now we need a better structure to actually, you know, best suit our staff members and our roster. I think yeah. we're watching those growing pains live. It's true. It's a young company. And Tony Khan even said himself, I think it was on Busted Open, was that, you know, he didn't have an apprenticeship like, you know, uh, certain people did, like a Paul Heyman did with that Eddie Gilbert or like, you know, Triple H under McMahon even or certain things like that where it's just, he did. It's okay. He's running the ship and, you know, you had the EVPs there and stuff like that. But like, I think, and I hope, you know, um, Tony Khan's going to kind of maybe realize, okay, I can delegate. And it seems like he's going in that that regard. But, like, I hope that he's, like, looking to a lot of the older guys, whether it's a JR or Arn or uh, who else was I thinking of? That's, oh, William Regal and stuff like that, that that know that, that operation, how it all worked. Because I think it's just beneficial for, you know, to have somebody like that, like, to kind of slow things down and, like, kind of pace it out a little bit more. And you still can have that modern type action and stuff like that. But find the balance in the way it can all congeal with one another to make it make more of a, a tangible wrestling product for the casual fan and for just your diehard fan to really, you know, sink their teeth into. So I don't know. I agree. I think, yeah. I mean, they got some, they got some work to do and, you know, I don't want to say they, they've been caught sitting on their hands when it comes to like, you know, what triple H is doing and everything like that. But I think they've, they've kind of let everything you know, let a lot of freedom go where that's fine. That's what we wanted that. We wanted that to a great extent, but there's also the idea of, okay, you're given the the freedom for these people to be who they are, but they don't really have the time to really showcase that besides maybe what they do in the ring sometimes, because like, you know, how many, I was trying to think uh, the trust busters, you know, we've seen Ari talk, but have we seen Slim J? <laughs> or Parker Bruno or anybody like that talk. And I think that's, I mean, all that stuff's super important. So where do you kind of fall on the, the amount of balance between like the ring work time and the promo time going on there too? I think AEW has some of the best workers. And I think they, you know, were founded based on like that idea of being the workers company, but then you got to look at it and go, well, every company is doing great wrestling now. You yeah. know, let's let's do more promos. And I think I think they actually have a decent balance. I just think that for some reason they get in their heads about certain things where they're like, no, we need to do this. Like, we'll talk about the main event. You know, I don't know if you needed to have Andrade and Roosh turn on Dragon Lee. In like the last five seconds of the show, I don't no, know. If that's you did, thing. Did, yeah, <laughs> like it, it's it's a it's just a matter of pacing. But I think for the most part, they do a lot of things really well, and they are still a very young company. They they're not even four years old yet as a promotion. 
and they've already accomplished so much. If they went under today, they would have been one of the top wrestling companies in America in the last, you know, half century almost. Yeah, no, it's true. And, you know, to, and to another point is, too, is like they got off to a hot start. A lot of these, you know, uh, promotions and stuff like that. I mean, more specific WCW, like they had to build to getting hot. Like they started, you know, when Bischoff took over, he introduced the first Nitro and stuff like that. And that garnered some ratings, but it really caught off, you know, moving forward. Like, but to that side of things, it happened a little bit sooner. And, um, you know, things were a little bit more, um, you had the certain stars and you had things kind of lined up a little bit more where, um, you know, the execution of it has been kind of more consistent and steady. So, And I think people need to understand that when you're comparing it to a WCW, so Turner buys it in 88, they become like full WCW by about 91 yeah. and Bischoff takes over in 93. Yeah. So there's still like... Even if you're just talking Bischoff, there's still, you know, two years of trimming fat and growing pains in that regard before you get to Nitro, where you just see everything skyrocket and, wow, the business is booming within a year and a half. I think AEW just was right away number two, and that's a lot of pressure. And they had a roster back then that doesn't reflect their roster now. And I, again, like we have to give them the leeway for these growing pains. Now, there's certain things that you got to come down hard on them for. Like their women's division really doesn't mean anything. And Jade Cargill is a star. Yep. But in that case, maybe the match at All Out should just be Jade Cargill versus Thunder Rosa. Because while Jade is a star, she's the secondary champion of a division that is kind of you know still struggling to find its footing three and a half years in and i want to see more from the women's division you've had long enough there have been improvements but at this point i think it's not enough we need consistency from the women and hopefully that's one of those problems that can be addressed i think you know i think it needs pro- they need promo time they need more promo time it's like you it's okay you have the it's all the roller coaster of dynamite going on action 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 and like you have promos here okay that's intriguing boom but then you for then all of a sudden a a women's match gets thrusted in and you're like i want that but it came out of nowhere kind of thing it always kind of has that vibe like oh here's the women's match and there's no like time for them to i want to hear tony storm talk more i want to hear like thunder rosa cut a promo I want to hear Jake Cargo go out to the ring and have a segment or something like that, where it's like, that's what you see from like a CM Punk or something. Position those younger and like newer talents as those talents that you give those opportunities to like a Moxley and a, and a Punk and, you know, things like that, where it's, I think you need to, again, it goes to honing in on certain people and making and kind of, you know, leveling and, and, and whittling down to what is important to your show. And, um, I think that's going to help elevate the women's division more because yeah, there's so many of those women stars that I want to see wrestle more and like the personas of and everything like that, like Athena. And yeah, like I said, Tony storm, Jamie haters really, you know, catching fire in a lot of ways. And uh, you know, I know she just got hurt, but Chris Statlander is another one and and certain things like that. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a little head scratching in that regard. Um, Yeah. And I also think while, while it's important to give them the promo time, 
in front of the live audience. Maybe keep that reserved for Jade, who seems to, you know, be have more of a star presence in front of people. Whereas, you know, maybe even on the men's side, like a Jungle Boy or a Thunder Rosa, anyone that struggles, I think there's nothing wrong with the pre-tape vignette. There's nothing wrong with the, with the pre-tape promo. There's nothing wrong with, you know, throwing it to... A promo or an inset can... promo too, like in the corner when they're walking. Yeah, out. there's because there's nothing wrong with that. Where that way you don't have to deal with a crowd doing the what chant and getting in the head of Jungle Boy, and suddenly he's lost his track of mind. And I, I don't know. I think little things like that could really help this promotion. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Something we didn't talk about is Kenny Omega coming back. Um, where like. Is it too soon? Is it just is it just right? Do you think it's just like all kind of um it's just I don't think up it's too soon. Him. He's been gone almost a year. Now granted, we don't know where he he stands legitimately. They're clearly doing he's injured, he's you know, he might have come back too soon. Yeah. But I think that that may not be the best way to go. It depends on how quickly he sheds the armor. Because mm-hmm. I don't want a you know, Kenny Omega at less than 100% going into All Out and going into this, I think he needs to be ready to go so that he can put on the best show possible. And I assume if he's in the ring, then he's probably ready to go. And it was probably something where they were, you know, exaggerating for storyline effect. Yeah. But it's good to see Kenny back. This is the first time Kenny, Brian, and Punk were all on the same show since Full Gear. That's crazy so, to think. You know, that's important. It's been almost a year. And I want to see more from Kenny. And I'm sure Kenny versus Punk, Kenny versus all these people. I see Steven Chambers in the chat saying Omega Osprey, which we're going to get, I'm sure, at some point in this tournament. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's it's gonna be a lot of fun. And I'm glad he's back. Oh man. Nasha doesn't think he's at a hundred percent. I I think maybe in his mind, maybe he doesn't think he's at a hundred percent. Maybe like there is some validity to that too, because, you know, um, you know, I think the expectation was to have him back by all out. At least I, I know they wanted him like at certain point for forbidden door, but that just wasn't in the cards. And so like, I think he's kind of like, okay, he probably wants to pick up the pace with it too. I think there's a little bit of truth to both of it. You know, I don't, yeah, I think, you know, he, he, you know, he wore the, the, compression stuff and all that and you know i think it's more so like he was maybe self-conscious a little bit or not up to par where he thought his physique might be or something but ultimately you know i thought he looked good i i thought he could have took the shirt off and just been okay otherwise but you know wrestling's a visual business and you know how people are you know how the internet is so and i i think that was that was intentional they want to get the conversation around well what's his condition he's wrestling with a compression shirt on he doesn't wrestle with the shirt on what are we doing here what's happening i think it's it's all leading towards obviously undisputed era elite i would say full gear it could happen as soon as grand slam but Mm -hmm. i think if kenny's gonna be in the tournament i think they should go all the way and i think elite should be the first trios champions i mean that makes it makes sense i like I almost feel that they could lose though and be all right because, you know, I'd like to see like the House of Black do it, you know, or, um, you know, uh, 
even Death Triangle, I think. But I, I really more on the leaning side of like House of Black, just because they need something going. So uh, if it's not if it's not the elite, I think it should absolutely. The only other team I would really accept would be Best Friends, because yeah. they've been there since day one. Give them. Uh, see, I don't know though. It's like I get it, but it almost seems like, you know, kind of like a gold watch kind of thing, where it's like, I don't know. I I would be more on the lines of. Let's get Alistair or Malachi Black something, you know, let's get this faction going that, you know, we've been wanting, wanting to pick up a little bit more and, you know, because they've been pushed to the wayside a lot of the ways. And it's, you know, I was kind of almost bummed in a way that, you know, Andrade and Roosh and, you know, uh, Dragon Lee were facing the Bucks because they need something too. And it's just, it just boils down to a lot of people again. And the problem is that everyone in this tournament, you're going, well, they need something because Dark Order is here, and the whole story is Dark Order needs something. Hey, they lost three of their guys. They lost Anna. Like, you know, they need something. So it's it's really going to come down to do you give it to the elite or do you give it to a random faction that needs something? And really, when you put it like that, it's anybody's ball game. <laughs> right. So at least there's the intrigue of we don't know what's going to happen. You know, um, so I guess that they got that going for them, which is nice. But um, l- let's close out with this. Um, we talked about MJF. Um, do you think that's what should happen? Is he should come back next week and get the ball rolling? Then maybe potentially, I don't know, like ultimately, maybe you either have the rematch of Mox and Punk that, you know, been reported, or do you have MJF versus CM Punk? Where do you fall on all that? I mean, honestly, MJF, assuming that that his deal mm-hmm. was half shoot, half work, MJF has been blessed by the most chaotic year in wrestling yes. to the point where, for five seconds, all of the onus in the wrestling world was on MJF and AEW, and then Sasha and Naomi, and then Vince retires. You could say, I see a comment here that says, save MJF for all out. You could say MJF for all out of next year (laughs) and he'd be as hot as ever. I want them to bring MJF back, but not next week. It's too soon. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. I think they need to bring him back sooner than later. And, you know, I think the good way to do it is like, sure. Yeah. Triple H and WD is getting all his buzz. You know, I think inserting him into the storyline makes plenty of sense. It's not like he's being shoehorned into it. Like, to the extent of, okay, this is unexpectedly happening where Mox and Punk are facing each other next week, Wednesday, and then they're supposedly facing one another at all out. In that regard, he's kind of shoehorned in. But from a storyline and, like, you know, a logistics perspective, it kind of does make sense. So I think, you know, because at, at this point in time, I know a lot of shit happened. And that's a great point, too, Robert, is, like, a lot of shit has happened in wrestling that has got people distracted when it's Vince McMahon and Sasha Banks and Naomi and then Triple H and, you know, just all this and Ric Flair's last match, all this. I mean, Anna, Jonathan Gresham yes. apparently confronting Tony Khan and using his PWI rankings to do so. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, there's so much happening. So right much. Now. So I get it. I get it. But also like you want MJF to still be fresh in the minds of people to be like, okay, like well, that promo that he cut is still fresh in our minds. And I think almost in an indirect manner that the opening segment between punk and Moxley 
felt felt very like uh, along the lines of you know what MJF did weeks ago and stuff like that, where it was like, oh man, they're really cutting one another. Punk's laying into like these baby faces. Why was Hangman brought up? What the hell was that about? I think all that kind of like refreshes the brain of hey, MJF cut that badass promo like you know in June, and you know I think to keep that fresh in the people's minds. If you insert him into the storyline next week where he, you know, either screws one of them over or like appears after the match and then boom, all of a sudden he gets inserted into all out somehow, some way, maybe not even in the match, but he's a factor, you know, playing into the game. I think that's important. to do. I think it's necessary to do. And especially if you're trying to pop a big rating, too, I think it's, uh, you know, putting MJF in that mix, I think is pretty key at this point. So I. I don't think it's too soon for it to happen. I don't want them to like push him out to sea and then we forget about all that he's kind of done. And then when they bring him back by that time, it's like, oh yeah, he did do that. But it just seems a little past its uh, sell date almost. I don't know. But you don't think it is, right? I, I don't think it is at all because I think utilize that reality. Like I think one of the issues with Punk in 2011 was they brought him back so quickly when they could have just yes. have him do whatever. And I think MJF, you could have him literally do whatever and then just pop up in the crowd of like a New York dynamite and cut away. And it's, is that MJF? And then nothing again for another two months. So I think you really can play the long game. AEW has the benefit of they don't have an established formula. You don't have to play by the rules. You can do really whatever you need to do to best serve your audience. And I think that with MJF, they have an opportunity like no other at the same time. If that is the plan for all out, you get there by just saying, well, Max is the only person who's beaten punk. And that's how you get to that match. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if it is punk, if it's not Moxley, like again, the exciting thing is you don't know what's going to happen. And I, I would much rather my wrestling to be you don't know what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Keep that unpredictably. And then you have the, the two guys that are able to, like, perpetuate uh, a buzz with Punk and Moxley. And then you have the outside factors of the reports going on and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's definitely an intriguing time. I will say, though, like, the, the time is different. So, like, you know, 2011 you know, stuff wasn't as immediate and like things weren't as fast paced where, you know, you know, people immediately forget something or they're just over inundated with content, you know, and things like that. It was, it was a different time. So like, I don't know, making, I think it's a different time that, you know, you don't, things don't stay in the mind as long as they did back in 2011. So I, I, I'm with you on the punk thing. Like back in 2011, that was way too soon. And they that is, you've got a point there though, because of, with the way content and news and everything is rapidly moving, you could lose sight, but I think it's that's one of the reasons why if you can hold out, you can be an outlier. That's that's just my one hope is that you can hold out as long as you possibly want to for this storyline. I think to your point, if they plant some seeds, they could kind of extend it a little bit. I think that like say if he's randomly showed up at grand slam or something like that. And then you don't see him again. I I think it could kind of make something out of that for sure. So yes, but interesting times, Robert. Dominic, it's interesting times. It's, 
it's the coming together world. We haven't done this in years at this point, and that's a shame. Like, I I appreciate it. I appreciate being here. I appreciate AEW. I'm excited for every Dynamite, every Rampage, and I'm looking forward to covering it all. Well, speaking of coverage, what what's all on your plate right now? What's uh, in your immediate forefront that you can tell the listeners here at WrestleZone? What you got going on? Well, of course, as you see on the screen, follow me at Dude Felice. Check out my work on Fightful every single day of the week. Check me out here on WrestleZone.com. Always helping to give that one-two punch for content over here as well. Check out an interview I just did with Tom Talks Rubbish, where we get into disability awareness. We get into all that good stuff. Um, check out Smart Out Moment. I'm on there as well. I mean... Dominic, I'm everywhere, as you understand, because you are also everywhere. You're, you're, you're just, you are the true mercenary. Because <laughs> I've joined brother, your ranks, joined brother. Your... You're getting out. You're getting out there, brother. I mean, what do you got going on? You paved the way, and I, I just, I hopped on that bandwagon. Uh, I do appreciate it. You're welcome. I, uh, so no, I told him earlier in the show. I interviewed Brian Gowards for here on WrestleZone, and then, um, I just been, I have a new show on Ad Free Shows. Uh, in depth with Tom DeShane's Harvard scholar, uh, way smarter than me, uh, literary scholar, you know, knows all the ins and outs of like Shakespeare, Aristotle, and like our first episode, we covered the mega powers. He went deep, deep into the two hours world. and 40 minutes just about it's of crazy. great content on one of the honest to god, one of the most money drawing angles in WWF history. Go check that out, go check out all of the great content on ad free shows. I can honestly say they are providing a wonderful service. Everybody knows about Extreme Life of Matt Hardy, Foley yeah. is Pod, um, Gentleman Villain with Regal. Listen, yes. Ad Free Shows is where it's at in wrestling podcasts, and you've got a great team. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. It's been surreal, and uh, it's like, yeah, everything's moving, and it's a lot of wrestling, but it's good stuff. It's fun stuff. It's, you know, It's the best in the world, I dare say. Right? <laughs> there we go. Yes. Uh, all right, guys, Nesha, everybody, thanks for joining in. I, I got to get Marcus and myself a fire lit on our asses to keep doing this here more steady. So we'll be doing that. But, uh, Robert, I thank honestly, you. if it, if you need the fill in, I am here. Okay. For you, whenever you need the second dynamite dude with attitude, it's been fun, man. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's a good time. So, hey, guys, thanks for joining in, and we'll see you next time here on two. AW Dynamite Dudes, all right.